And we're live. There we go. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the MSG Podcast. As always, we're your hosts. I'm David. I'm Trey. And uh, we've got all sorts of fun things to bring to you I'm today. looking at my thing, and it's like, this is useless now that I look at it. Oh, your, your list? My, my topics? Because uh, well, one of them was things we already talked about, but it's like, and then don't read that other stuff out loud, because that's, <laughs> oh, right, right. that's the... A password in the email and such. No, I won't do that. That, for would, that would be terrifying. Just so I have it written down somewhere. Yeah. Right. All, <laughs> those could be fleshed out in the full topics later. But. <laughs> all right. But yeah, the, the um, one thing I was going to at least briefly mention at the beginning is that uh, for a while we've been trying to, uh, at church, they have the older journey groups for the, the different age ranges. And supposedly there's, there's no true cap on the age of who can attend which. And so... Uh, me and Trey have been trying to every so often attend these older fellowship groups. And it struck me today as we were going to one, it was a much smaller group than uh, the ones I'd been going to. And uh, it struck me just how humbling it was going in there with all of these aged saints, you know, these people that have been invested in the word their entire life. And um, they still need teaching, you know, that they're still regularly attending and and pouring over God's word and, and really studying it to get out even greater truths, because you know the learning never stops; it just continues and continues, um, and compacts pretty much. You know, it yeah, builds on what you've already learned, and uh, yeah, it was just fascinating to to realize that one. It's like okay, they're they're welcoming us young people in, and we're getting to see kind of the end result of what our own walks will be in some regard. And it, I've so enjoyed our uh, our church because I think the people are far more open about their flaws and their faults than any other church I've been to. Or if you go up and say, hey, how are you doing? And somebody has had a rough week, they'll tell you. You're like, yeah, yeah. man, I, had, I, I was angry this day, and I really struggled with this and this, and which is kind of a shock because you ask anybody else in the world, they, you know, they'll just say, I'm fine, regardless of how they really are. Yeah. So it's a good thing. But at the same time, yeah, it's it's good to see even people who are that old that have really fought all these battles and have seen success and victories all their life uh, or ever since they became a Christian to, to still be struggling with things. Yeah. Um, in one way, that's kind of heartbreaking because you, you would want to see, okay, they fixed it all. You get, you, yeah, that, you get to a point where everything goes better, but yeah. But at the same time, it, it also should give us strength to go, okay, we, we were told to prepare for a lifetime of fighting. And sure enough, you look at the people who've been fighting their entire life, and it's still going. So yeah. we need to be firm on it. Yeah. And sort of tied to that, it's it's kind of a little bit of a shift in in where I was going. But it was amazing also being in that older group. I don't know if it's just me or if it was just hitting me right today, but whenever somebody would read God's Word, like they would, they would be given the passage to read and they would read it, uh, it, you can feel it. It's like, I, it's hard to describe, but yeah. it's like the spirit is stirring your heart when one of these people that have so in, you know, they're strong in the spirit. God has really worked powerfully in them. And when they read God's word, it's it's like it is being imbued with Christ's power as you listen to it. And uh, I don't know, maybe that's, me being crazy, but no, I think that's, that's you good. know one of the elders was in that class with us, and he was asked to read a perspective, and and him, his his voice is beginning to falter in his old age, and yet even in his cracked and, and stilted and weak voice, it was like 
I don't know. Gripping. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't there this morning, so I heard, like, Noah was saying, like, it was, like, you and, and Nathan and... Yeah, it was me, Nathan, and Philip. Philip, y'all went together. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. there. I'll be there next week. And it was it was good but, to get them to come. Uh, they were... They were very faithful to, to go with me because I'd asked them earlier in the week, and they're like, yeah. Well, okay. Philip already went with you once. Mm, yeah, he went so. once, and uh, he he surprised me a little bit. He, he's been really wanting to come back. Uh, and it's actually that. pretty nice getting really top down. I haven't been there in a while, but. Well, it's, it's good, I think. That's why I'm trying to get more people interested in it. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a, a continuous a routine, cycle. yeah. But just getting them over there once or twice to see how it is that it's different. Because with the young people, I enjoy my my own crowd. I I would yeah. most Sundays rather be with the young folks, except for the fact that with the older people, there, there's something far more methodical and and clear. Like when you ask them a question, they have all these years of experience, and like their answers are distilled down to true wisdom almost. Like it, when they talk, it's it's dripping with truth that you wouldn't necessarily get when you ask another young person. Yeah. That's not to say a young person couldn't be wise in their response. They, they most often are. But, yeah, you, you ask one person, okay, I've, I've been struggling with this, this, and this. And if they don't know the answer, usually there's somebody in the room that has. And they go, yeah, such and so has struggled with this for years. Let them talk to you. And they've got, you know, a big old chunk of advice. And it's good to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that's what I said in the beginning. That's why I like doing it because it's like there were people, you know, clearly to, there were a lot of people who, did, you know, I didn't know a lot of people. And it's like, oh, I don't know the elderly people. I would like to know them. But there's a lot of wisdom and knowledge to gain from them. Mm-hmm. You can you can actually both gain from both sides. But, you know, if like if they've gone through like addictions to alcohol, they've had so many more years, even if they, it's, they haven't perfected it, but to experience it and knows you know, like what to look out for, warning signs, how to stay away from it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of knowledge and wisdom we'll learn from them. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. It just blows me away. Because you're, you're right. Like, even if they haven't quite mastered it, it's something they've been fighting for so long that mm. they they know it inside and out. And uh, you're right. You see the warning signs. and It's also, again, to go back to the clarity of their answers, um, you know they're they're regular people, but it's it's awe inspiring to me. There's like somebody that is completely unassuming. If if you just saw them on the side of the road, you know, walking along, you wouldn't think that they have that massive amount of wisdom. Just you know, unless yeah. you talk to them, you would never know. Yeah. Um, which is why I'm trying to get to know the people individually as well as possible. It the way I'm doing it currently is not quite good enough. I need to go over to their groups earlier so I can socialize in the mornings before they yeah. start. I don't even know what time. Do you know what time they actually get there? Uh, they probably get there and start talking at 8 wow. or, or 8.30-ish. Dang. Because so, mm. I know they, they eat their meal or their, their little finger food. Their breakfast. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, early, and then they start real promptly at 9 o'clock to do the, the prayer and the gathering. Yeah. They're not like us. Yeah. Which... I keep I keep trying like the people I bring they want to go talk to the young people first which is fine, but if we do that then we'll miss the first part of the prayer meeting and so it's kind yeah. of a juggling match. Yeah. But it's it's cool too to see the uh, with the older crowd, there's a real craving for interaction with the youth. Like they've got all this wisdom, and they've been talking to the people around them, all the older people, about that same stuff so much they don't want to hear it anymore, and so they're they're 
really hurting. They're they're like they need an outlet for all of this because yeah. it's good. It's truth. They've yeah. fought hard for that stuff, and if they don't have anybody to speak it to, it goes to waste. Yeah. So if nothing else, just pulling somebody aside and saying, "Hey, like, teach me something," and they're all over that. They're, they yeah, get dude. Excited. I remember, like, um, I was, I've only been to the, you know, the Wednesday night dinners. Mm-hmm. I think I've only been to those, like, twice. But, like, the first time I came, when I walked in, I saw, like, uh, what's her name? Kayla Carr. Mm-hmm. And she was sitting at, like, a table just full of some of the women who yeah. are in that group that we've been to. So, I think there are other people in our youth who are kind of, you know, they're putting themselves there. Out. They're trying to branch out. But I think there's a majority of them who just, they don't want to get out of their comfort zone. Right. Which I understand, but it's like you—that's kind of the point. Yeah, you got to right. like you got to be able to under like you got to learn you learn wisdom and understanding from other people, along with your own studying of scripture. But like you can't rely on being in that group your entire life. Right. Like, what if you get in a point where you're completely in some other city, you have no friends because you just moved there, no family, and you have an opportunity to spread the gospel. Right. You can't rely on this group of Other friends. Groups. You got to so yeah. you got to get used to it now. You're you're preparing and you're building. You're growing in the faith to be able to go out there completely alone and just do it. Yeah. So it, it was something also interesting that was uh, everything has been interesting to me today. Everything. Uh, I was thinking about this during the service a little bit, but I was thinking about the fact that there's everything is more extreme when you bring it into the the mindset of eternity. So, like, about the one consistently good thing about uh, Christianity, there's a lot of good things about it, right? This might sound terrible to somebody that's not familiar with it, but is is the comfort you receive from the fellowship. Like, there's a, a almost infinitely deep comfort that you can feel from, you know, being encouraged by your brothers and encouraging them. It's like yeah. a reciprocal deal. Um and so in that regard, the comfort you receive in Christianity is greater than the comfort you would receive in the world. Because even the best of the people that is unsaved is far more selfish than the, the least of the Christians. At yeah. least that's how it should be. Yeah. Um, and so when you enter a true fellowship, it's like the comfort is real. Um, but that being said, I think that goes for just about everything. You know, like the loneliness you might feel outside of the fellowship is greater than you would feel if you were in the world because you don't have that same connection with people that you would have if you were of the world yeah um and you know that again you could probably apply that to an infinite number of things but i don't know that was striking me while pastor bill was talking today no yeah i agree it, the last few days have been definitely like very like it felt like isolating Mm-hmm. I guess in a sense, like I, like a Friday night, you know, I was hanging out with some people for D and D, but you know, like 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 being alone, it was like I don't know, it's been significantly more difficult. And then like just going to church in the morning this morning, it's like kind of like a what do you call it, like a taking off your shoulder, like a yeah, the, the, the weight off, lifted. yeah, something like that. But yeah, yeah, it's not always fun being completely isolated, although it's useful. And good at times, but it also can be very difficult as well. So Right. Well, I know for certain, before I got really serious about my faith, and even still sometimes, I have a craving for solitude, essentially. Like, I would love to go off and live on a mountain somewhere. You know, being surrounded by nature, because that's really fun and beautiful. Yeah. And 
you could sit there and contemplate a lot of things and enjoy God's beauty that he's imbued into nature. Um, but having seen this true fellowship in the church and, and realizing its life-giving properties and, and how really essential it has become in my life to be recharged by that good group of godly men and women, it's like I can't do that now. If I wanted to, to go off by myself for the rest of my life or even for an extended period of time, I don't feel like I could do it yeah. without just shutting down a part of me dying. It's, I don't think it's the social aspect, really, because I'm an introvert. I, I have lasted many years without talking to people. That was my specialty. <laughs> but something about, again, going back to the the uniquely open openness of those people where... They're so willing to open themselves to you. Like, look, I'll, I'll pull back the cover. This is all the stuff I'm working with. And you can tell that's the truth. Yeah. Um, it kind of encourages you to do the same to them and go, look, yeah, you you told me everything about you that you struggle with. Here's all the things I'm struggling with. And together you're lifting that burden and it becomes easier to bear, just like you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so there, there is inestimable value to the Christian fellowship. We shouldn't ever look at it as a selfish endeavor, like, look, I'm going to go into it to get my burdens relieved. Um, we always need to go into it, again, with the, our eyes looking at other people, like going into it to say, okay, I know this person over here is struggling with something. I'm going to do what I can to make them comfortable, to, to listen to them, whatnot. And in so doing, I think that's where our burdens are lifted, in lifting other people's burdens. Yeah, It's kind of a backwards principle yeah it's good to have a bond and to create these bonds with other believers you know to you know lift others up or you know get stuff off your shoulder or just encouraging others and understanding the word and growing in the faith and i I think that's pretty good i think it's good for us just even like me and you go into those those groups and trying to go to others in the future to to build these bonds with believers so that in the future whether we're here or not even outside of the church we're building with other people yeah. with other believers or even leading others to christ i think it's very useful and it it's very comforting mm-hmm. to having these strong bonds with them people who are on the same page as you right. in your faith so right because like i could go off into a completely different state right now and i've still got the contacts of all these people back here so if ever i was struggling i could call them up and yeah. I know they'll they'll pick up and they'll they'll talk. Yeah. And uh, that's comforting in and of itself. You built the bonds and those those bonds will last. Because you you come to the fellowship kind of with this understanding, and it's an understanding that grows over time. But you know, every person you shake hands with or, or give hugs to or you help through a struggle or you you buy something for them that they're needing is a being of eternity. So like. You're not just talking to a mortal. You're talking to an immortal person. Yeah, uh, That's something that C.S. Lewis puts into almost all of his books, whether they're allegorical or not. But he, he wants to make people see, like, there is more to every face that you see along the way. It's not just, you know, some pile of dust that's going to disintegrate someday. There, there's more to it, whether that's just the soul or not. Yeah. Um, and so every person that you're mean to is an immortal person. <laughs> every person that you're nice to is also immortal. Now, the destination of that immortality is yet to be determined for most people. But 
in being kind to somebody and showing them that they have eternal value even when they don't see it might be enough to push them into the right direction. Yeah, you never really know what someone could be going through at that time right. or what they've been through in the past. That's why we're called to love each other, you know, love your enemies, love your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, we're supposed to continually uh, encourage each other, encourage each other not to build each other up, not break each other down. Right. Um, what is it? It's, what is it? It's, I'm trying to remember, the, Ephesians 4.29 is, uh, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building each other up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I think that's kind of goes along with what we're talking about yeah. but but Absolutely. yeah we're supposed to you know don't break each other down with like you know calling people names or whatever but you're supposed to build other up and those who listen can actually benefit from it mm-hmm. you know you will have people you know like who will you know like just, the pharisees did yeah the like the pharisees or like or like when you have like what was it like paul and barnabas when they would go into a town and they would preach the word and uh, you know they would have believers, but then other people would absolutely like hate on them and mm-hmm. try and stone them. They would just shake their shoes off and mm-hmm. be like, "We're going to the next place, next town." It's like that. So I think, yeah, we're definitely we're trying to grow in that, trying to learn how to be like Christ, being loving in every scenario, every scenario, not letting our our hate or our emotions get the best of us. Right, and that can be an extremely hard thing to do because I know, at least personally, uh, I get to to like plateaus. Maybe not. That might not be the best thing, but we'll, we'll go with it. So it's like a plateau in your faith where you go, okay, I think I've got a pretty good handle on things right now, which is a terrible, <laughs> terrible it's thing a, to think. Bro, it's awful. <laughs> but almost always, after I reach one of those and start thinking that, you know, some situation will happen in my life. You know, I'll get into a. a situation where i'm chopping through some brush and i'm getting really tired and hot and sweaty and something my partner will say will just strike me at the wrong chord and i'll get angry you know i, I have to step away from those situations and go yeah i hadn't figured everything out it's it's very humbling when you think you've gotten everything that that pride starts welling up in you and then you sin and it's like oh buddy yeah that's that that's right. how it is though it's always like you're always in the faith you're always you're moving forward and you're, you know, you're doing good things, you know, trying to obey the Lord, but you're consistently, every once in a while, stumbling here or there and be like, here's some area I need to work on more that I didn't notice. Yeah. But and I think that's the work of the Spirit in sanctifying us. Because when we start on the path, we haven't really seen hardly any of our sin. There's yeah. probably the one cardinal sin that people will immediately call to when you, you think of sin, it'll be the one that. You know, zeroes in right in the center of your vision. You go, okay, that's the big one. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times, people might start on the path of Christianity just to remove that sin. Again, this is what C.S. Lewis talks about in Mere Christianity. They want that one sin removed, and yet Christ says, nah, we're going to start with that one, and then we're going to do the next one, and the next one. And people might want to jump ship. Because they just really wanted the benefit of having that one inconvenient sin removed. Yeah. And Christ is like, no, we're, we're going to knock the whole house down and I'm yeah. going to build He's a He's here palace. to purify you and not just take out one mm-hmm. negative thing. So it, it can be a startling experience if all you're expecting is to see the one sin that you already kind of have a, some comprehension of. Yeah. You see it better, have it removed by God, and then you're a good person all of a sudden. But the work of sanctification is he removes that sin... 
while also showing you this one over here and then while you're starting to work on that one there's like five others over here that crop up and it seems completely overwhelming yeah uh at least it does when you're beginning and you just have to trust okay god all these things that are popping up i have no power of changing and so through prayer and talking with older believers and really studying the word he begins to remove those things from you yeah it's like what we were talking about with Luke. You know, you breathe in the word, and that actually has healing properties for your soul. So it's it's about being consistent in that and being faithful to the word primarily. Mm. Yeah. It's. I've been kind of doing another one of my thought experiments, which kind of lines up with this a little bit, and I'm very hesitant to even break into it because it's kind of... I'm not sure I'm finished thinking about it yet, but... You could test the fields here. Yeah, yeah. If, <laughs> if this is too far left field, then come talk to me and set me straight. But this is kind of drifting away from what I was thinking about previously. So I was going through, like, the different forms of natural death and how those can relate scripturally. Um, and I started thinking about there's certain aspects of how the, the body acts that can reflect some spiritual significance. Yeah. Um, which is a lot of words to say. I think that since man is the highest created being on earth, so he was the last thing created on earth, he should have the greatest representation of God's fingerprint on it. But, but, it, but it actually has like probably the worst. It's, we probably In corrupted it. Yeah. But I think there's some of the, the natural processes that go through a, a person's life. I'll go ahead and get to the metaphor. Um, blinking, right? So the senses are used all throughout the Bible to describe different aspects of our, our faith walk, our, our walk with Christ. So you've got, you know, it's hearing and seeing and, and tasting in some instances. So we're, obviously there is some aspects of the human condition which can be of spiritual value just because even Christ has used them in metaphor and so taking one that should be relatively safe seeing and then applying something that happens pretty naturally which is blinking you know when we blink we wet our eyes and it in some ways it can help us continue to see because if you didn't blink your eyes would dry out yeah whatnot um, the way I was thinking about it was that in a sense if you think about it from the top down instead of from the bottom up, um, that blinking metaphorically might be like sin. So we're, we're called to keep our gaze locked on Christ, you know? And we're pretty bad at that. You know, yeah. just like Peter, when he was walking on the water, he was keeping his vision locked on Christ and he was walking. And as soon as he took his eyes off and started looking around, that's when he faltered. And so if we're called to constantly keep Christ in our view, um, they were talking about that in Colossians, we're supposed to have our minds seated on the things of, a, uh, of heaven instead of the things of the earth. Yeah. So it's like all the imagery points to, okay, look at Christ and don't waver. Um, and so in that regard, blinking would be sinning. So you're, you sin, you take your gaze away from Christ, even for an instant. Um, it has to be applied to the Christian life more than anything because if you applied that to just the regular unsaved person a blank would be like closing your eyes permanently 
because there would be no impetus to open them back up again. In the Christian life, a blank would be you sin, and then immediately Christ is working in you to help you repent. And once you repent, you open your eyes again, and there is the whole blank. Now, the metaphor is very poor, and that's why I was saying it's, I, I tentatively bring it up, because in no way am I saying that sin is essential to the Christian life. That would be looking at it from the bottom up, looking at it from the perspective of the world, trying to infer something about God. Um, but if you look at it knowing even a little bit about the things of God, and, and you look at it from that way, it kind of parallels what Paul talks about when he's saying, should we go on sinning so that Christ should be even more glorified? In no way, by no means should we do that. But if you sin then Christ is our advocate to the Father for us. So in that regard, if in our pursuit of keeping our gaze completely fixed and unblinking on Christ, we happen to blink um, because we've averted our gaze, then he's good to help us to open our eyes again and to continue on in that. Um, And I've, I've felt this sometimes in my life that after I've done a sin, um, and repented of it, there's some learning that happens with that. It's like renewed vision yeah, uh, that helps you to see longer in the future. And uh, one, one last thing to end this very imperfect and probably infuriating metaphor to those that are listening. Um, if ever you... Have you ever encountered something in your life, where, whether it was like a really intense movie or a, a piece of art or something, where you... You gaze at it so intently and you're so focused on it that you realize, you know, it might be 30 minutes, 45 minutes later that you haven't blinked in all that time. Yeah. And then when you finally do blink, it's like, oh, wow, I was getting <laughs> kind of dry. But I think that's kind of how, we, how we'll end up when it gets to Christ, at least as far as the metaphor goes, is that over time the blinking will get less and less and we'll get so transfixed, like our vision will be cleared over time to the fact that we're starting to see more and more of the image of who Christ really is and we'll become transfixed so that we don't even want to blink. It's like we're, we're just drinking it in as we should be. Um, I think that's kind of where we're supposed to be headed anyway. I mean, yeah, we're, we're supposed to grow in the faith and, you know, like, like it says with Job, you know, a God-fearing man who shuns evil. So mm-hmm. we're yeah. supposed to, you know be weary of you know like what for whatever addictions people have like if you know you have this certain addiction you know you keep your distance away from it at all cost yeah you know because you know you know if you you know like we talked about you can't play you can't people like to walk on a lot like get right mm-hmm. right on that line of sinning but not passing it that's pretty much like if you're purposely going out of your way to tempt yourself without doing the sin yeah. that that's close enough to a sin well and it it's cool too because Going back to the top-down view of nature, you know, people really like to set up shacks on the, the side of the ocean, and yet uh, when there's a little earthquake, a <laughs> tsunami comes and <laughs> drags all that stuff in. Yeah. But you look throughout Scripture, and the ocean and, and large bodies of water are represented, or they're kind of, they represent sin in a lot of ways. And yeah. so I think that metaphor would hold up. Like yeah, you, you put your house real close to the edge of that water, and buddy, you have some problems. Don't get me started on water. I'm, I have fear of the ocean. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, you're already a very faithful. I don't want to live near sense. the ocean at all. 
but it's that kind of thing it's like yeah you you get very brazen and you go right up to the edge of the water and you go this is what it's beautiful out there i'm transfixed by the view of the ocean and then you know it might take a while but it'll suck you right down you look at uh riptides you yeah. know you, you get a little ways out into the the ocean if you're brazen enough to start playing with sin and riptides will drag you away from the shore yeah and even a strong swimmer would struggle to to keep pace with that tide yeah so you know there, there's a lot of things i think god has put into nature that you and the, the reason i was saying you, you have to look at it from the top down instead of from the bottom up is because without the perspective that scripture gives you can't infer anything uh, solid about God. That's why I think you can get some small idea about the fact that there might be a deity. So let's say you knew nothing about Scripture, nothing about God as represented in the crystalline word that we've got. Yeah. And you look at, at the amazing patterns and you know what would seem like coincidences in nature. You've got regularity. You've got order, but also chaos. You've got all of these things that are clashing and, and systems that are playing up and playing down. Um, if you view it as a whole, you get this amazing perspective of everything going on and the enormity of it. And, and you have to infer that there's something going on that's bigger than you and that may be even bigger than the earth. And if you can't get that far, you infer that there there's some sort of power either keeping it going or that has started it. Um, but that's as far as you can really get. Yeah. You, you might even get some flashes of numinous awe from perceiving nature. You know, when the sun crests over a mountain or something, you, it, that beauty transfixes you for a second and you get that, what would be a base religious feeling. Um, but, again, it's like, if a person that had one of those experiences sat down and they tried to pin, write out the entirety of what we know of as Christianity, they could not infer that from the bottom up. Yeah. But again, you look at it from the top down with what we know of Christ, what we know of God, and we try and lay that over. I, I think it begins to make some things clear. Um, it's kind of like what again pastor bill was talking about i don't remember if it was today or if it was last week but the or maybe it was c.s lewis I, I, all these are running together i was listening to somebody some of said his it essays. somebody said it we know that um but like like a grain of wheat like a, uh, a kernel of wheat has to descend into the ground and that kernel has to die in order for the plant the wheat plant to rise back up it's like that's a metaphor that's in nature that is a metaphor that almost perfectly represents what Christ did, coming down, descending to the deepest depths yeah. that he could, even to death. And then in the death, he was risen again, more beautiful and more productive than ever. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a fun one. If ever you want to occupy an evening, just thinking about all the things that descend and then are raised back up. Yeah. To go back to the water metaphor, if you look at it from a different view, it's water descending going down to the deepest depths, coming back up in evaporation, and you've got the beauty of the clouds, um, and which are higher probably than it started in the, the first place. So yeah. it's it's an amazing thing. So yeah, that's, that's your uh, homework, everybody listening. Like, go go think about that. Just go think about it. Yeah, go, go think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I don't know what else to add to that, dude. Yeah. I don't know either. That's... You think about all sorts of different... Me and you do not think the same, <laughs> bro. Well, I... <laughs> I just find it really fascinating. It, I'm, I'm going to run out of things to think about one day, but... I mean... I don't know. Yeah, I can't add any more to that. I can't think of anything like that. I've been doing so. I was on something different this week. Really? What yeah. Were you on? So I've been, um, I've been listening to a lot of music. Well, I guess I listen to a lot of music because I work and I don't have to mm-hmm. talk to people. But I started listening to music that you wouldn't call Christian music. Like mm-hmm. it's like, um, it's not bad music. It right. doesn't like promote drugs or sex or any of that. But it's not. You wouldn't play it at a worship service, you know what I mean? So, I, I think of, um, you know the uh, artist Phil Collins? Yeah. He did music for, like, um, the Tarzan mm-hmm. originally animated movie. He has these two songs. There's two songs, and I listen to them. And at first, they're, they're just fun songs. Yeah. But it's like, there's two songs. There's um, Strangers Like Me, mm-hmm. which is in the Tarzan movie, and uh, Son of Man. Both songs, although I don't know... You know where he stands on his belief or whatever, but they have they seem uh, there's a lot of themes within the songs that relate back to Christ. Hmm. So, like, if you think strangers like me, um, the, the song when I was listening to the song, um, I listened to the song a long time ago, but then I start I, I put in an idea and compared it to the song. And I was like, could this idea fit into what the song is talking about? And the song, if you think about it, talks a lot about what what would be a new believer like a fresh you know a fresh believer um talk about like strangers like me you know uh the song talks like you know open your eyes and you know i want to know more about this mm-hmm. you know there there's more strangers that are exactly like me and like what is it um there's another song by treasure planet i can't remember what it's called shoot it's not on the top of my tongue you're having the same problem I had. Oh, it's, <laughs> I, I could get it on my phone, but I don't want to do it on my phone. But it's like, there's another song, and a lot of these songs have themes that you can write. It seems like you can look at it, and if you input a certain idea, it seems like it's talking about something very specific related to Christ, whether it's your walk with Christ, whether it's you know the struggles you go through at, at the beginning of a believer or your late stages. Or there are songs, I think Son of Man seems to relate both to what would be Christians throughout life, you know, believers walking in their faith in both what seems to be, there seems to be hint of Jesus Christ within the song. Although the song's not about, at least I don't think it's about Jesus Christ, which is, which is why I, I'm yeah. like, I don't know where Phil Collins stands on his belief. He could be a believer, so he made songs that were for the movie, but also representing Christ. But it's like, you look at like songs like, um, and I was re-listening, I talked about NF, I know you don't like rap, I'm a not whole the biggest lot. Fan, You're not a, that's fine. That's fine. It's not. It's not bad music. It's it's good music, but it's not specifically worship music. And a lot of people go out of their way to say, "Oh, NF's not a Christian rapper." It's like, well, yeah, I don't think he's a Christian rapper. It doesn't mean he's not a Christian. Like I don't know, mm-hmm. but a lot of his themes seem to have uh, mentions of Christ within his songs. He has this song called "Let uh, Let You Down." Now, the song itself, I think, is about between him and some relationship he had with a girl. Hmm. There, are, there are things mentioned within the songs that seem to be a direct reference of when you sin, you're letting Christ down. Like, he's, he's not proud that you sinned, that you went, you, know, you went out of your way. And it's like he has these different themes within his songs. And he has another song called, like, um, his song, like, I think Lost really stands out. And uh, there's one called Real and, uh, shoot. 
uh, there's another song he has called Hate Myself. And it, it, they, all these songs, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, you could go listen to some, like, Drake, and it's a worship song. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that even when you, even, I think it was, was it Noah? Noah LaHaye, who was talking about, who was he talking about that made? Oh, 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 It yeah. wasn't, shoot, what was his name? Um, Kendrick Lamar, right? Yeah. He was talking about how Kendrick Lamar, like, you don't know, and even though Kendrick Lamar, Lamar like, has a lot of cussing in his songs, he seems to be talking about, like, his, his, yeah, his struggles. His struggles uh, with maybe being, yeah, maybe being Christian or mm-hmm. kind of aiming towards that. And it's like, you know, we talk about how, you know, even God can turn a bad situation into good. Right. Like, I, I recently, I'm going over, like, Abraham, which we just started doing in church, but I've been going over Abraham with uh, Noah during our study and how Abraham will consistently do something. Instead of trusting in God, he's trusting in himself to get a, a, a situation fixed. Yeah. And like he'll he'll do something wrong, and in the end, he'll still be blessed through it. Right. Even though he did something wrong, he shouldn't have done it. But and he didn't trust in God when he should have at the beginning, right? Because he already had trust enough to go out, just wander into the world, just like I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going. Mm-hmm. And I think songs like that and music like that, I think, are ways that Christ shows that you you can still represent Christ even through people who may not be going out of their way to do it or or just blatantly i guess hating on him which which i think nf i think is a believer he just doesn't make worship music specifically mm-hmm. but i was just listening to songs like that and i was trying to implement ideas as like i never thought about it you have to look at it through a different perspective mm-hmm. and i was looking at it like that and i was like that's insane like you like seriously you should go back and listen to like I think Strangers Like Me is a huge one. Strangers Like Me from Tarzan. Son of Man can be tricky because it does mention things that I don't know exactly would be that you would apply. But but it's still it like in Son of, in, in the song Son of Man. You know it's it, the song's about like Tarzan or something. But it's talking about um um through faith. I think it says through faith and trust you'll go from a boy to a man. And it talks about a, a man going into time, and I don't know if that's the exact lyrics, but but it it seems to be similar reference to that of Jesus Christ, because before Jesus Christ, you have God, you know, you have the the Trinity that they're they're outside of time, right? Mm-hmm. They don't age. Well, I guess you could say they age, but it doesn't even matter. They don't age because they're outside of time. But Christ comes in. Jesus Christ is born, you know, mm-hmm. through Mary and Joseph, you know, born and then dies on the cross, raises. Um, he's put almost into time as a way to be a sacrifice for us, for our salvation. And I think that's a lot what that song is referencing. Not all of it. I think there are pieces of it. But I think it's it's sprinkling in Mm -hmm. essences of of Christianity, of Christ. So I don't know. That's what I... Because I've been listening to a lot of those songs, and I have like a full playlist of it. And I'll just listen to it, and I'll be thinking. I'll, I'll replay it like three times in a row like, really with that same cool. idea, trying to listen to the lyrics mm-hmm. on what it's saying. Which I don't know if these artists or whatever have that intent right. of making it related to Christ or not. But it's just like, even then, it's like there's an underlying mm-hmm. theme, even if they didn't write it on purpose. Or if they did, maybe they did write it with under like two different themes. One for whatever they're writing it for, another one for Christ-related. Right. But it's like, I can look at these songs and, and listen to it and be like, just look at this sentence mm-hmm. like how does that not relate back no I, I think you've hit on something that's really interesting um, 
Well, one, you're, you're doing the exact same thing that I've been trying to do with looking at nature, is you're looking at it through the lens of Christ. Because you have to imagine it sort of like that. If we're to hold Christ before our eyes at all times, then we start to look at the world through the image of Christ, which acts as a lens, which gives us that, that side of truth. So all of a sudden, everything starts... You can see through the merely superficial, essentially. Yeah. It's like the x-ray vision, but for essential truth. Um, now, when you're talking about music, music is an art, right? And all art is... How, how should I explain this? Because it's kind of a... It's an interesting concept. Uh, for just about every art, it's it's a very... Especially music. It's a very passionate thing. Like... When you think about music, you don't think about people just humdrum, melancholy. Like they're yeah. they're they're singing out of passion. Now, whether that's about praising God or because they just had their heart broken, but th- there's like the central theme of passion through just about all music. Um, and in going into that, spewing from that passion and creating something that has that's fun to listen to, good to listen to, and it's beautiful. You've got creativity and inspiration that kind of all blend together they braid together to create this song and uh, Jordan Peterson kind of talked once about how poetry is something that is extremely beneficial to people in being able to somehow represent ideas that their minds are just starting to grasp like the corner of it's like they're they're grasping onto an aspect of immortal truth that they cannot yet articulate. They can't put it into words, and yet the, through the passion and inspiration of seeking that that corner of truth that they've grabbed onto, they put something onto paper. And again, it's not true articulation, and yet in that poetry, it hints at the greater thing that they're trying to convey. But you know, they have the idea of it. They they have the blurry picture in their mind, but they can't convey it. And I think there's a lot of art that's like that, especially once again when you view it through the lens of Christ. Um, Joey Braun uh, at the church he got me to start thinking about popular media like that because um, he, he started talking to me about anime. He's like. Look at anime. Look at what it, it's. What are the central themes that you often see in it? It's usually about somebody who's who's young or, or generally weak, despised by people, somehow gaining power. And this is a central theme, not the only theme in anime, but somehow gaining power, gaining close knit friends and community around themselves, um, striving ahead, pushing through obstacles, and finally achieving the one goal that faces them. Um, and you see that over and over and over again. And people consume that media readily. Uh, if, if you look at it in the, the sense that people will vicariously live the life they truly want to live through media, then you can see people are desperate for this stuff. They, they desperately want to be, they want to matter, they want to be powerful, they want to be in a community that loves them for just being who they are, not because they add anything really. Yeah. They want to be wanted. Uh, they want to be victorious. Like, wait, those are all things that were promised in Christ, and people want to live that. So you look at that in, in you know, just cartoons from Japan. You start looking at that in music as well, because again, you have the three things that would contribute to trying to grasp onto that corner of truth in music. Um, I think, yes, yeah, sometimes people, 
and this happens in painted art as well. You know, somebody will see that beautiful landscape, and it'll be like a glimpse of true reality, and so they paint that to capture that. Um, but there's there's multiple different facets, so you can't look at all media as all essential truth. But you can look at it. Some things get shockingly close to the the message of scripture um like the things that you've been looking into there's some that get shockingly close to a person's innermost desires and and hurts i'm i'm not one that really enjoys looking at abstract art or or even like impressionism yeah i don't don't do that either but sometimes you know i've taking courses in college where they force you to look at it and try and interpret it. And if you look at it again with the, the lens of Christ, a lot of what I see is hurt. That, you know, of varying degrees. People have pursued this one passion, be it worldly to its fullest degree, and they've found no satisfaction. And they're lamenting that through their art. And the more you get hurt and twisted and and corrupted by your own evil nature just pursuing it endlessly the more broken your 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 core becomes you know your own psyche starts to fracture um i've heard it said again i I haven't done much research into this so i don't know but i've heard it said that a lot of psychological problems and, and psychological brokenness comes from people just pursuing sin to the end and if it's not their sin a lot of it all of it is caused by somebody else's sin. You know, somebody being abused at a young age will twist their mind even before they had a chance to develop it fully. Um, and so, again, that comes out and somebody's passionate and creative and whether or not it's divinely inspired, it's inspired through their passions and creativity to create this little core of something bigger, greater than themselves that we have to try and ferret out meaning from yeah um but yeah no i I think that's good that you're doing that because uh again to go back to to jordan peterson uh, he's a real big proponent of saying that the story of jesus is the archetypal story like that is the highest story that could have ever existed because if you look at any story there is some element of goodness and darkness and you know goods triumph over evil and whatnot and he said the the reason that the story of christ is like the archetypical archetypal story is that christ in his perfect morality was punished for that and so if we look at it just merely as readers not even putting any sort of spiritual significance on it we're, we're supposed to be wrenched in our hearts because the the one person that could stand up to do something right and did it perfectly was the one person that was killed for being people thinking he was doing wrong they were yeah. killing him so they would do service to god um and so you know if even the story of Christ represents like the truest story, then every other story in some regard reflects that. It, it might not be clear, and we'd, we'd have to study it for long periods of time to ferret it out even little small glimpses of truth. But Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. Keep doing that. Cause... No, yeah. And, and I just want to say, like, I'm not trying to go out of my way. I'm not trying to twist every single thing 
in music or anything to try and point it back to God because I don't think everything does. But I think I think it it might, can. but it it can't. It can oh. perhaps. I, I I think it could, but it's like I'm not trying to go look at every single listen to every single song and try and twist it to make it point back to God in some way. Right. And, I'm just yeah. listening to something and think of an idea that I can put in there and see does it fit. It's like it does kind of fit in this area. In this song, it kind of fits. So, but yeah, I, I think you're right in that sense that unless it's specifically created with Christ in mind, I don't think it'll ever be a perfect representation. Yeah. But again, you're, you're catching glimpses so. that in that inspiration, inspirational moment of the author or the uh, the composer or whatnot. They might yeah. have been glimpsing without yeah. realizing it. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I I, I have this feeling that whenever we get to the new earth and things start finally being revealed to us like i think it'll be like an atom bomb of revelation when we start to you know i don't know if it'll all come like, at see once everything or if he'll pointing back to christ in to real us. life yeah but i i have a feeling that it's so tightly ingrained and in even the most mundane non-thought of things in everyday life that when he reveals it to us, it'll be like a slap in the face, but a good, loving slap. But I don't know, because the more you start to think about it with the truer perspective, the more you see. Yeah. And then, again, it's a compounding thing. So you see that, and you start to analyze other things, and you start to see Christ in music and art and nature and, and writing. And, again... I, I just think it will be so overwhelming. We'll, hopefully, he will give us minds and bodies that will be able to handle that. Yeah. But I don't. I don't think anything that was created was wasted in its its uh, representation of truth. You know, we know that by wisdom, through Christ, all things were created, and so everything had its purpose. And I think it all had greater significance as well. Um, that's kind of the reason why Christianity pioneered all of the sciences, or, or at least the religious-minded yeah. people pioneered it. That there was no real impetus for for mathematicians and scientists and before people really began digging into the world and uh, the word and realizing that the world should be ordered. It, it should have essential meaning. It, it, there should be patterns that could be observed and things to be gleaned. Yeah. And that's why they started discovering things. Uh, you look at Isaac Newton. When he discovered gravity and, and put pen to paper and started writing it out, he didn't use it as a proof against God. He said, look at how wise God was for putting this system in place. In fact, it was a proof for God in his mind. Um and he was one of the, the biggest geniuses that the world has ever seen. People don't think about him like that. They think, oh, an apple dropped on his head, and he just, oh, wow, gravity. Now, if ever you read his book, I haven't read it. But <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of people that have read it, and they attest to the fact that it's just dripping with his realization that all these things are interconnected in ways that they, they shouldn't without yeah. God's help. Um, and... It's it's just a, a fascinating deal to me to to I'm I'm starting on my journey of looking, and I know I won't be able to rep or look at everything the way that God sees it fully until we're perfected. Yeah, but 
if I can see even just a little bit of it and tell people about it, maybe they'll start looking and seeing other aspects. Because you know, if if you look at the way that we're we're all different parts of the body of Christ, you know, not one of us does the exact same thing as another believer. Um, we all, when we read the Word, we all see different things, different things that the Spirit reveals to us. So it's extremely important to have groups get together and talk about the things because everybody benefits. Um, so I, I would imagine that those that study, those that do science, and would benefit greatly from coming together with that purpose. Like, okay, we all have our unique perspectives that God has given us, unique talents and whatnot, and therefore we can create the more perfect image of what we should be studying. I think that's why the scientists went in the first place, the, the religious scientists. You know. um, I can't remember if I was trying to go for some bigger uh, <laughs> bigger purpose to all that, that tangent. Go big or go home? Yeah. No, that's good. That was, I mean, I could we could have kept going. We're about an hour in, oh, but it's we? like, but it's like that whole music stuff was because a bunch of other stuff that we could always yeah. talk about later on. But yeah, we can always bring us back up. But that always brings me back to false teachings. Mm-hmm. You false. preach, preach, Trey. <laughs> no, it's just you start to look at music and you're like, there. Are, you know, when you think of false te- teachers or false teachings, you think of like a pastor who's not teaching the, you know, twisting words or whatever, or somebody's just out there saying something that is completely wrong, heresy. But then you can look at it through music as well. So yeah. I don't want to get into it. There are like certain groups that call themselves like worship groups that are absolutely wrong. Like, do you have you ever heard the song uh, "Reckless Love"? Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't listen to it. <laughs> it's just it's disgusting that you would say God's love is just reckless. Mm. No, you're right. It's like why would you even? That's not a worship song. That's just straight up stupid. <laughs> and the fact that you guys are not even paying attention, why would you call God's love reckless? No. Okay. Order. The people who reckless. made that song clearly were not in the right mind at the making of that song. I don't know. Maybe they were jaded. Or... I don't know, but that song is just absolute BS without... I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I think there is a, uh, a sense, even with those people with the best intentions, that Again, going back to trying to grasp that little corner of the truth that you're beginning to feel. People have a tendency, once they've grabbed that corner, to believe that that's the whole of the issue. And then they they make that everything they look at. So they zoom in on that which they've grasped. Boy, yeah. And that might be a little tiny fraction of the greater truth, but they don't look yeah. at it like that. They look at that fraction as the entirety of the truth. Um Again, I always go back to Lewis, but he was uh, C.S. Lewis was talking about an encounter he had while he was a, um, a chaplain in the army, and he said he encountered a, a grizzled old veteran that that said, "Oh, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to to hear sermons or anything because um, I, I had this numinous experience out in the desert. I, you know, I, I met God essentially through the nature." Um, which I believe can happen. You know, you have a, an encounter with God, essentially. Maybe not a, you know, God walks up to you and pats you on the back. But in other words, you have the religious experience. Yeah. Um, and C.S. Lewis talks about that. It's like, to that man, you hardly anything you could say to him would convince him that he needs the Christianity that we offer because he's had what he thinks is the real deal. And the experience might be very real, but going back to what I was saying before, 
from that experience, you cannot infer necessarily anything greater or more true about God than just that overwhelming, numinous feeling that you had. It was like, wow, I'm in the presence of something greater. Yeah. That's, that's where that stops. And that man was claiming that as the ultimate truth. I've had an encounter with God. That's all I need. Whereas with Christianity and, and studying God's word, you are drawn closer still to him and things are far more revealed through the word. Yeah. Again, it goes back to the lens. Without the lens, everything is fuzzy and you can't find anything. There's much truth to the Psalms that God's word is a light into my path and a lamp into my feet. Um, without it, you stumble. You stumble into the ditch on either side of the narrow road. Yeah. Yeah, that speaks volume. But, yeah, I don't want to... We talked about a bunch of stuff. We can go into so much more detail on so many topics. <laughs> we might have to We might have to branch out on it on the next episode. Well, the next episode, we already... We could talk about the whole Travis Scott stuff. But. Oh, yeah. It's just like... This is like part one of two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the, the big one. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess that was good. Anything else you want to add, I guess? Or nah, nothing spring to mind other than uh, the wing. <laughs> one day, one day he'll forget. I will one of these. One day we'll forget and I'll just cut it. I'll be like, "Oh, he never said it." Be messed up. <laughs> just you'll be like an addict on withdrawals the whole week. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> it's all over now. What the what the record for 5 seconds just you saying that? Yeah, just sort of edit that in and be all choppy. <laughs> One day, one <laughs> yeah, day, maybe not. One day when we both have Alzheimer's. Yeah. Yep. What's your name again? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll have to write our names on the board, or just random names that we pick for the day. <laughs> what? What is that on the board? <laughs> who, who is that? But d- my dyslexia turns into a, like an all-time high where I can't even read. <laughs> Wait, like I can't. <laughs> <on the board laughs> I don't even know what. Make we can interpret that as some greater hint of truth. Oh, yep. There we go. <laughs> that will be my final thing, and then I'll just die. Just that would be something like to Stephen bring out. when he dies. Yes, yeah. falls asleep and out. vanishes. His body just dies. That's that's something I need to research. I know we need to cut it off, but like those those aspects of of uh, death. Well, like right before a person dies, uh, those something cool. Noah was talking about the last Wednesday when he was talking about uh, Lottie Moon. How when when she was in a coma right before her death. She clasped her hands in the traditional Chinese greeting and was like reciting the names of uh, old Chinese friends that had already passed away. And it's like, I find that really fascinating. Like, was she already there at the gates of heaven, like meeting those people that she had witnessed to? And, that, and it, like, that's interesting. Know. We don't know. We don't know. But, and we, I think we, we've already talked. I feel like we've talked about that before. We, we've we talked, talked about, about death. it a long time ago. Yeah, we've talked um, about death and time outside of life type stuff like do you go to like mm-hmm. purgatories or are you in heaven immediately like how that works i don't I, know i feel like that's something you could study for your whole yeah life still not get really well, i will come back to it. it we'll, we'll eventually yeah. bring it back up <laughs> i'm sure we got some new listeners that would love to hear it oh yeah that'd be so fun um yeah you said bowing yeah i did it i guess we'll we'll call it quits here okay so catch uh, you on the next one yeah peace see you